You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for uh, the blessing of being here at Camp Meeting. Thank you so much that we can be here in this seminar this morning. We know that your spirit is already here and we just ask that uh, you will speak to us. You will use Ben and Brianna as they um, share. And we just thank you for our children. We thank you for our grandchildren. It's such a privilege to be parents and such a privilege to um, be able to guide them to know, love, know and love you. But it's also, a, it can be very difficult. And so um, we need your wisdom and we need your guidance. And so that's what we're asking for today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So you've, you've heard a little bit about us. First of all, I want to say we are not experts. There was a small window where we felt like maybe we had it figured out, and then we had a second child and realized, oh, wait, nothing works anymore. So it, it's not so much that we've got this all figured out and that we're experts, but more that God has given us this passion to do the best that we can and to study this. It's just a shared interest that we have, not only in ministry, but in life. And so that... That is what we're sharing again. So realize that what works for your first child doesn't work for your second. And so also what works in one family doesn't necessarily work in another. So first of all, when you talk about discipleship parenting, what is the primary goal? Now, it's sometimes difficult with kids to stay focused on the goal. I remember our oldest, Emmett. He is an incredible boy, very articulate, loves studying the Bible. And when his baby brother was born, he became fixated on the story of baby Moses. And he wanted to read that story. He wanted to talk about it all the time in the most terrifying way possible. Because he would look at his little brother and say, oh, what a nice Hebrew boy. And then say, let's throw him in the river. Which is terrifying because we live about a block from the river. But often with parenting, that happens, doesn't it, where we're getting the message, but we're missing the point. And it's so easy with parenting to get distracted by all the things that are going wrong in the moment and forget what is our main goal? What, what is the thing at the end of the day that we want to accomplish? Because... I mean, at the end of the day, if we can raise kids who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's all that matters, isn't it? 
So that's kind of what we want to talk about and how can we introduce our kids to Jesus Christ. And apparently this computer is... It's, it's, it's delayed. maybe a 30-second delay on changing the slides, so bear with us there. Um, so the main goal is a saving relationship with Jesus, and when we want to reach a goal, um, it always helps to start with the end in mind, right? You have to, be, you have to know what your goal is in order to work toward the goal. Um, so we want to we do something um, that in education we call backward design. So you think about where do we want um, our students, or in this case, our children or grandchildren, whoever we're taking care of, where do we want them to end up? Um, and then think about, okay, what are the steps that I need to help them take to get to that destination? And so it's sort of, when you, when you think about it that way, when you start with the goal and work backward from there, it helps all of the extra things that you don't really need to be worrying about or thinking about or that aren't very important to sort of fall away um, because you realize that's not helping us reach this goal. Um, even though um, something is not necessarily a bad thing, it may not be something that's um, really helping you move in the direction that you need to go. It doesn't mean that you need to get rid of everything um, that's, you know, just for fun or, you know, um, but, you, but just thinking about um, prioritizing. What do you place a priority on in your life, um, in your family routines, um, in your daily schedule? Where do you put the priorities? And the priority should, for all of us, be on what's helping us reach our goal of having kids who have a saving relationship with Jesus. Um, and with parents who have a saving relationship with Jesus as well. Um, because it's really easy to get distracted and, and you think, oh wow, I need to be, my, my kids need music lessons, and they need to get good exercise, so they should be on sports teams, and oh, you know, what if they're not ahead academically? You know, maybe we need to do extra time, you know, an extra hour of reading every day, or whatever it is. These are all good things to do, um, you know, but what's really helping us reach our goal? And if something isn't, then it doesn't need to be a high priority. And it's also really easy to get distracted because parenting is a competitive sport. <laughs> like, you see everyone else's kids and where they're at and like, oh shoot, how come their kids can read already and my kids can't complete sentences? Or, you know, how come their kids can ride bikes and my kids can't stand up? So <laughs> there's all kinds of these things and you're looking at everybody else's kids and it's so easy to see all of these other milestones and miss what is our primary goal. Yeah. And I think with, um, as a mom, I look at other moms and I think, oh wow, they have it really together. You know, I'm a mess. We're just trying to, if we're out of the house in the morning, that's, that's a good thing. Much less if we actually look nice and, you know, feel nice about each other when we're doing it, you know. So um, it can be competitive, but it doesn't need to be because you just need to be thinking about what's our goal 
and how am I going to get there today, one day at a time? I remember years ago, I was actually speaking at a different camp meeting, and a mom came up to me, and she was frustrated because the Bible does not give us a lot on parenting. You know, I mean, think of all the incredible resources we have, the Bible studies on all of our 28 fundamental beliefs. We do not have one on parenting. There are not a lot of verses. And over the years, though, I keep coming back to Deuteronomy 4, or 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk to them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And first of all, what I like about this is this is a verse about relationship. I mean, they have just gone through the Ten Commandments there in Deuteronomy, but what it's asking you to pass on to your kids, you shall love the Lord your God and keep it in your heart. It's about relationship. It's about passing that relationship on to your kids. And when, well, when and where do you do it? According to the verse, and you guys, you guys can chime in. There's not so many of us that we. Yeah, when you're at home and when you're away. That covers everything, doesn't it? Like, either you're at home or you're not at home. That's pretty much all the places. So, yeah. yeah, you do it everywhere. And when do you do it? All, all the time. Like, those are, those are bookends. Like, from the moment you wake up till the moment you lie down. And I like this verse also because it makes it clear that the primary disciples of our kids cannot be pastors. You do not want to come into your kid's room and find a pastor there at bedtime. That's creepy. You don't want that. It's fine at our house. At our house, we allow it. Yeah, no, at our house, it, (laughs) it happens. But... Parents have the ability to connect with your kids. I mean, you're the only one who can do it at every moment of every day, everywhere. So you are the ones best equipped to bring your kids to Jesus Christ. And passing on that relationship, that's that's our main goal, isn't it? And it's a huge commitment, and it's a huge undertaking. I mean... You know, whenever whenever Ben uh, reads this verse, and I think about, okay, it's everywhere and all the time. And you know, I'm I stay home with my kids, and so I'm pretty much everywhere and all the time with them. Um, and that's a huge responsibility. And am I always the best example in my life all the time, every moment of every day? I am really not. I'm sorry to admit to you. So, um, you know, it's a huge commitment and it's kind of heavy to think about. And so um, we're going to talk about 
over the course of this week. We're going to talk about different ways to sort of um, support how we can do this best as imperfect humans, which all of us are, um, who are not lovely people at every moment of every day in our lives. Um, so, but, but we're just thinking, you know, we do need to be intentional. As Christian parents, um, we're making a commitment to be intentional about leading our kids to Christ. Um, and so... And I, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. I mean, in everything in life, there are good days and there are bad days. Every, every relationship. But if you remember the main goal, it helps you to move in the right direction. And I think that is an important thing to remember. So it's about being intentional that, that that's your goal, to match your kids with Jesus. So one of the ways that we can kind of support um, moving, helping our kids, leading them to Jesus is through discipline. It's a part of every family, and it has to be, right? It's not everybody's favorite part of parenting. Um, it's not mine, but it's necessary, isn't it? Um, but this is something that we really like to really dig into because... Um, and, and we're not going to tell you exactly how you should discipline your kids. Don't worry. Um, everybody, everybody needs to, <laughs> to decide that um, on their own. But, um, but we are going to talk about what does discipline mean. And so I'm going to ask you guys, think about it for a minute. You can, um, you can just you can raise your hand if, if you are brave enough to tell us to kind of share what pops into your mind when you think of discipline? What do you think about? What does it mean to you? It could be a word. It could be a sentence. What do you think? Okay, so he said shepherd, guiding and directing your path, okay? Okay, guiding to the right path. Um, good. Anybody else? Yes. Right. So, so I'm not sure. Could everybody hear? She was just talking about how you know it's it's an advising um, because because our kids need to learn how to think for themselves and to make their own decisions. So, um, standing in that advisory role, yes. Yes. So she was saying at first she was thinking spanking. You know, that's just what kind of popped into your mind when, when you saw that word discipline. And, and for a lot of us, you know, we usually hear punishment, you know, not necessarily a specific one, you know, but, um, you know, punishment, spanking. Um, and then you said, but it's not just spanking, maybe any consequence um, for, for an action. Um, yeah, and discipline, so discipline um, you guys made some really good points in there. Um, and usually we don't think about, I mean, think about discipleship and like, okay, let's start with discipline. But they actually come from the same root. And if we're talking about intentionally using everything to bring our kids to Jesus, discipline also has got to be one of those tools in our tool belt, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you can't make 
disciples without discipline. Um, and the root word that they come from actually means pupil, like student. Um, so discipline helps us learn, right? So um, that doesn't mean that going to school is discipline, but it is part of discipline, actually. Um, so parenting for discipleship, which is our main goal as Christian parents, means we teach and guide our children to grow closer to and more like Jesus every day. So whatever that means, whatever that means. And so sometimes that has to do with discipline because when our kids are acting in a way that's not leading them closer to Jesus, then we have to correct that path, right? We have to guide them back to the right path. Like we said, we have to shepherd them a little bit. And, um, and maybe that means there are going to be consequences. Um, and we'll teach them to be more like Jesus. So wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between discipline and punishment. Because often we kind of lump those together. Um, discipline involves teaching and learning, whereas punishment is a penalty for an offense. Discipline is training for future behavior, whereas punishment is looking back at a past wrong. Discipline is ongoing, whereas punishment is a reaction. Does, does that make sense? And often when we limit discipline to just punishment, this idea of like, okay, they've messed up, now let's deal with that. We're continually looking back and we're not moving forward towards our goal. Whereas discipline is saying, okay, what, what is the goal we're working towards? We're working towards a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So we are training for that future behavior. We are going to, this is going to be ongoing no matter if it's a good day or a really rough day we're still working towards that goal. Sometimes it helps to think of um, the difference between, sort of sometimes we think of child discipline as more toward the punishment end of things, right? When we think about, when you think about child discipline, you really, you're thinking a lot more along the terms of punishment than the terms of discipline on this chart, right? Often. Um, but when we think of the term self-discipline, like when we say, oh, that person is really self-disciplined, we're thinking really more along the lines of what discipline really means, right? Um, and so sometimes it's helpful to think of that self-discipline and child-discipline are really the same thing, except you're just helping the child develop that self-discipline. Um, but it's, yeah, definitely different than just punishment. And that's not to say that discipline is never painful and it doesn't, you know, it, it always, growing pains are hard, right? And so when we're growing into self-discipline, it can be painful, um, but... And I mean, let's, let's be honest, when we make poor decisions, it's painful. Even without our parents stepping in, it's, it still hurts. Like, we... I mean, sin causes pain. So, it, I, I don't think that you should necessarily say, you know, well, discipline, it's all happiness. No, 
That's, that's not real. There, there is those consequences. There is those, like, results of the poor decisions. But we're still focusing on what, what is our primary goal? How do, we, how do we move forward from here? So um, I think what's on the next slide, we'll find out mm -hmm. in a few minutes when it switches. Oh, yes, okay, tips for family discipline. So um, all of these sort of fall under the category of easier said than done for some of us especially, right? Um, but we want to stay calm as much as possible. It, my, uh, one, of, one of our sons is not a calm individual most of the time. Well, I would say not most of the time, but he, he is definitely one who suffers from not being calm. And it can get really frustrating as a parent when, you know, we're having a, a huge hysterical crying fit about something that doesn't really seem like it should be that big of a deal to me. But when I get worked up about it, because he's worked up about something that he shouldn't be worked up about, then we're both a little hysterical, and really, we're not working toward our goal. I can't help him if I'm not calm. And so staying calm is really important, and um, it helps if you have a calmer spouse um, to, to be around, but the reality is, is all of us are alone with our kids sometimes, and so you can't just depend on someone else to um, be the calm one. So even if you're not the calm one, you have to be the calm one sometimes. And so thinking about how can you do that um, in your own life, self-discipline first helps with child discipline. Um, but it, it's important. And uh, I mean, we all know there are times not to be calm. Like your child is running out into the street. That is not a calm moment. That's not like a, son. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, realize that, yes, there, there are moments when you want to move away from the calm zone, but in dealing with that crisis, helping them to learn how to process those feelings, you've got to model what, what does that look like. And so. And, and, and we found that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm a little bit mad or sad or frustrated right now, so I'm gonna take a minute, I'm gonna do some deep breaths, and you can, you can show kids what you do to stay calm, or you can say, I'm gonna go in my room, I'm going to read a few Bible verses, and then I'm going to come back out again, and then maybe we can talk about it. Or it's okay to say that to our kids. Um, it's okay to, sh to tell them, you know, I need to do this to calm down, because it, it, shows them, it shows them that everybody struggles with that sometimes. It's okay for them to struggle with it, but there are ways that you can help yourself. Um, to get out of that. Um, for, for our family, um, we do a lot of deep breaths, <laughs> and we do a lot of um, reciting Bible verses. We memorize verses as a family, and when we can recite them together, it really helps. And so often we'll have 
our son, I just did it this morning, have our son choose a verse, which verse do you want to say? And he'll choose a verse and we'll say it together and that sort of helps him to get back into the space and he's thinking about his mind is on scripture, it's on Jesus, and, and it helps us all to get in a better space. Um, you, a lot of times people think, okay, well, they're very clear that discipline is not punishment, so you know, does that just mean that everything goes and, you know, there's, it's no problem, you know, kids are allowed to do whatever they want. That's not what that means. Um, you still need to be firm and you need to address misbehavior because we're not reaching our goal of having our kids have a better relationship with Jesus if they're allowed to treat people or things with disrespect. Um, if they're allowed to speak disrespectfully. So no, we're not letting things go. We're firmly addressing misbehavior, but calmly and with the idea of the end in mind. So thinking, okay, how can I show my child what to do better next time? And, um, well, that's teach better responses. I'm skipping ahead. Um, but, but we can talk about, you know, what's the consequence that makes the most sense for this so that they understand what their misbehavior actually is doing. You know, if, it, if they do something to hurt someone's feelings, they need to talk to that person and take responsibility for doing that and, and see and kind of practice a little empathy about how they made the other person feel. If they've taken something away from someone else, maybe they need to feel like what it's like to have something taken away from them. You can decide. I'm not going to tell you the best consequences because often consequences um, make the most sense to decide in the moment. Um, but, but the point is not flying off the handle and saying, you know, because you did this thing, you can't do this thing, you know, for the rest of your life you're grounded or whatever. You know, that doesn't always make sense. Um, we're, we want to be helping our kids learn what the actual consequences of their misbehavior are and teach better responses. And when the consequence fits perfectly, it really helps them learn that lesson. I remember in the sixth grade, um, a girl took my hat and she ran into the girl's restroom with it. And I was like, okay, you want to play that game? And I ran in after her. And I came out and there was my teacher and he was upset and called my father and said, what should I do? And my father said, well, if he likes being in the girl's restroom, that's great. He can clean it after school every day for a week. And I said to my father, why, why did you come up with this? He said, it's what I had to do in the seventh grade. <laughs> but that's a lesson that, you know, I'm not going to forget. Like, when it fits perfectly with what you've done and you realize, like, well, that's a consequence that makes sense, like, it, it helps the kids learn that lesson. Whereas, although spankings definitely make you regret your decision, I also got spanked a lot, and I did not learn my lessons as well, probably, with that. Um. Yeah, so we want to be thinking about also how, how can we fit into our discipline plan ways to teach better responses in the future. So, um, you know, so we do, we practice. Um, and again, none of these things that we're saying that we do, do we do perfectly or all the time because sometimes we're not 
the best ideal parents. Um, but we try to practice with our kids, okay, next time, next time you're frustrated with your brother, instead of smashing him on the head with his Lego creation, what's a better way to handle it, you know? And some of these things are obvious, like not smashing him on the head with his Lego creation or whatever it was. Um, but we, we practice, you know, how can you ask somebody nicely to stop doing the thing that's really bothering you? Um, you know, because it, it, it's hard. And sometimes as adults, we need to hear those lessons as well. Um, and so we practice. Say five nice things to your brother, you know, or um, if you're complaining about the food, then, you know, you gotta say nice, five nice things to the person who made you the food because that's a lot of work. You know, so we're, we're trying to teach better responses. Um, and as parents, we need to remember that there is a place for grace and mercy. And a lot of times, um, grace and mercy in parenting get a bad rap because um, you think, okay, I'm, I'm letting things go too much. But think about our God. Our God is a God of grace and mercy. That doesn't mean that we don't suffer the consequences of our bad decisions. It doesn't mean that we don't have um, that we don't have consequences. It doesn't mean that um, he doesn't discipline us, right? But sometimes, well, pretty much all the time, we don't suffer the full consequences of our bad decisions, do we? Jesus made sure of that for us, and so. Showing grace and mercy to our kids means, you know what? They don't suffer the full consequences of their bad decisions. They're kids. Just like we're humans and we don't understand fully the big picture like God does, our kids don't fully understand and their brains aren't even fully developed yet. They're imperfect human brains. And so um, I think sometimes the value of that that grace and being merciful with our kids is underestimated um, in parenting. Um, but it's really important because we can't teach them to have a strong relationship with a loving and graceful, gracious, merciful God if we don't teach them about grace and mercy. Um, and then this one is a hard one for, for some of us, and sometimes it's really hard. But after the consequence is done, after you've practiced a better response, move on and let go of it. Um, a lot of times we keep bringing up past offenses to our kids, and we say, every time you do this and you know every day or you know i'm so tired and those things might be true but they don't actually help our kids do better um so and and this one is a hard one for me because i have a tendency to remember all of the sins of my children's past but um when the god of the universe said that when we ask for forgiveness our sins will be at the bottom of the sea, mm -hmm. then we've got to extend that grace onto our kids and not go for fishing expeditions to like dredge those back up. And one of the beautiful things about this is, yes, I make the same mistakes over and over again. 
My son makes the same mistakes over and over again, and it's easy to focus on the pattern, but let us not define our kids or ourselves by our mistakes, but rather define them as children of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that is beautiful. You need to do that with your spouse, not only for your relationship, not only for who you are, but also you are modeling to your kids what forgiveness looks like, what healthy relationships look like. And we'll, we'll get into relationships a little bit more as we go on, but definitely. Yeah, because if, if, you're, not, if you're not showing you know, forgiveness, grace, mercy to your spouse, if you're not letting things go, if you're constantly putting something back in someone's face, um, yeah, your kids see that too, and it affects them. Absolutely. Um, so there's, we have some steps for, toward a family um, discipline plan. So the first one is prayer. Because we are imperfect, because we don't have this figured out, because there isn't a, hey, one size fits all, we need to approach this with the God of the universe. And so spending that time in prayer. The Bible promises us that when we ask for wisdom, that is never going to be an unanswered prayer. And so pray, pray, pray. Use backward design. Remember, and there are going to be moments where you're in the thick of it and it's difficult to remember Wait, this is, this is our goal because we are sidetracked. We're missing the main point, but remember that that's the goal we're working towards. Also, you and your spouse need to be on the same page in this. Often, it's easy to kind of choose roles. Good cop, bad cop. Like, you will be the disciplinary parent. I'll be the fun one. But that's not healthy for your kids. They, they learn that, and they learn where they can get away with things and where they can't. And that at that point, you're moving to a punishment model, whether you like it or not, because you're not working towards that goal at all times. And so you need to be on the same page. And also, you need to use common language. Um, I'm pretty sure that both of my boys are going to grow up to be lawyers because they pick up on the nuance of language. And if you say, like, don't hit your brother, I didn't hit him, I smacked him. Like, and so, but if you're using the same language, you and your spouse, it, it helps make it clear what, what the problem is and you're addressing it, and so if, you know, your spouse says, don't talk back, and you say, need you to talk respectfully, they may not link those two as being the same thing. Especially younger kids whose language is still developing. You know, um, a lot of times we say, talk back, sass, uh, you know, talk disrespectfully. I mean, they all mean the same kind of thing, right? But 
Um, but they don't always know that. And so it can be bewildering for kids when, when you use a bunch of different terms. So it's helped us to sort of have a talk and say, okay, this is what I've been saying, you know. So he might not have really known what you were talking about when he said that. It might have been genuine, you know, because sometimes our kids say, I didn't know that, you know. But that's because they don't understand the language that we're using always, and especially younger kids, like I said. Yeah. And another way that you can be intentional about using common language is making sure that you're in this together as parents. It's easy when your one spouse is like, dealing with it to say, okay, I'm going to check out, she's got this. But don't do that. Unless, like, unless you have to do it because yeah. you're taking a calm down moment. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay yeah. to tag out. But when, when you're in it together, it, it's going to help use that common, to use the common language because you're hearing what your spouse is saying. You're hearing how they're dealing with it. They're hearing how you deal with it. And it, so it helps unify it. It also demonstrates to your kids they're on a team. Like, and so it, that is also important. Um, and I, I just want to say, too, that not everybody has a spouse who is on the same page with them. And so if you don't have that, um, then I would say go through those steps as much as possible with the other caregivers in your kid's life, the people who are on your team. Um, maybe it's grandparents, maybe it's babysitters or teachers or, you know, helpful friends or church members. Um, but, you know... Whoever your support people are, um, you know, make it a point to, to sort of talk to them about that because um, parenting is hard. It's hard when you're on a cohesive team. Um, and when you're not, it's even harder. So anybody who is on your team, um, get them on board with what you're doing and, and your, your approach um, and say, you know, I, I'm, this, is, this is the goal. A saving relationship with Jesus is my goal. So I'm focusing on this right now, you know. Um, get those people on your team. Okay, so we talked about it a little bit, but backward design is where you start with the goal, and then you, you say, and, and we're saying our goal is um, to help our children have a saving relationship with Jesus. And then you look backward from there and you say, what are the steps that I need to be taking to help my children reach this goal? So the It's something that teachers are a lot better at than pastors. <laughs> like Teachers say, okay, at the end of the school year, the kids need to know this, this, and this. And so all year you're working towards that knowledge and making sure that you're checking things off along the way. Pastors, we just get up and preach what's on our heart, and yeah. And so, in parenting, I think it's important to take that note from teachers and say, okay, this is what we're working towards, so that what are the steps along the way that help us reach that goal? 
So we can kind of say, you know, in the classroom, it's like, oh, we don't even need to really do this part of the textbook because it doesn't contribute toward our goal. It's lovely information, but it's not helping us. So we don't need to worry about that. So for parents, that might be, that might mean, you know what? We don't have to worry about having only organic food in our lunchbox every day because that's taking too much mental energy or whatever it is. You know, what I want to be focused on is teaching my kids to take care of their bodies. And I'm going to spend my energy doing that in a different way. So it's just sort of, you know, helping you to cut out some of the noise because there's a lot coming to us from every direction about how to be amazing parents. And all of it is great stuff, but nobody can do all of it. So you've got to know what your goal is. And I mean, with parents, there are so many different things that we could do with our kids. Soccer games, Little League, music lessons, extracurricular math and science, like all kinds of things that you can take up every waking hour with. And as a pastor working with kids, it is often difficult to come up with a time where we can do Bible studies together because of all the other things. And at the end of the day, we don't really care if our kids can play the piano. We don't really care if they win at Little League. I mean, those are great things in the moment, and those music skills are fantastic, but if we have to choose between that and a relationship with Jesus, it's a no-brainer. And discipline also, we need to remember, that is the goal we're working towards. Discipline is, and I love the way you guys put it there at the beginning, is shepherding. The goal is teaching them how to find their way to our Savior. This delay is really exciting. I like it. <laughs> um, well, we just wanted to recap this Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Um, every day, everywhere, all the time, right? Um, and it's a big job, but one of the best tools that you can have in your toolbox is a, is a discipline plan, you know, a biblical discipline plan that that can support you and your kids as you're moving toward this goal. Um, because when we're self-disciplined and when our kids are learning self-discipline, then reaching the any goal is so much more e so much easier, right? So um, so being being firm and staying calm and showing grace and mercy and teaching a better way to respond next time. Those are all things that help us to um, reach our goal of having a better relationship with Jesus. And it will help us to have a better relationship with our kids, which makes us more effective as disciplers. Um, so, I want to do a little activity. And so I want you to get into groups of two. You don't have to get terribly close if you don't feel comfortable doing that, but get, get in groups of two and 
what I'm going to have you do once you're actually in groups. It's, it's a fairly low-pressure activity, yeah. don't yeah. worry. No, no. And if, if it's a group of three, that's not the end of the world. Okay. So the first thing I want you to do is take, take some object, like your pencil um, or water bottle or whatever, and I want you to give that to your partner. You can lay it ceremoniously in front of them if you don't want to. Um, but if you can bring your hands, and, and don't worry, they, they will give it back. You're not. This is not a. You don't have to give it forever. <laughs> okay. Now, was that a difficult task? No. In fact, you can do that without knowing the same language, without the same culture. You can do that with minimal communication. I mean, you hand something to someone, and you've done it, right? Giving an object, super easy. Now, I want you to turn to your partner, and we'll do it the other way this time, and have them teach you 2 plus 2. Or something you didn't, something they don't know. Okay, well, we'll Any, make this so more complicated. Anything new that they don't know. Okay. Raise your hand if you've learned something new when you're ready. So tell us when, I'm not going to make you tell us what it was. <clears throat> okay. This was a little bit more difficult, wasn't it? When you're passing on information, it steps up. You've got to speak the same language. You've got to have that communication. They have to understand the words that you're saying. And so it, it takes work from both sides, doesn't it? But now you'll try the third one. These haven't been too hard. And the third one is, I want you to think in your mind, who is your best friend? Who is someone that you have a relationship, and I want you to give that relationship to your partner real quick. You know, maybe it's your, your mom or your sister. Tell them how great the person is. All of a sudden you realize this is not a quick and easy task, is it? Passing on a relationship, it takes work. It takes time. It takes spending that time together, doesn't it? And, yes? Mm 
Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think about bringing our kids to Jesus as just passing on information. We do that partially because it's easier. It, there's clear expectations and you can say, okay, once we've gotten to this point, we can check that box and we can move on and we've done our job. But we're actually saved through that relationship, aren't we? And that is actually our goal, is a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, not simply an understanding of the Seventh-day Adventist fundamental beliefs, which I think are beautiful. But that's not our end game. And so, tomorrow, we are going to talk about how do you actually pass on relationships. So, would love to have you guys come back. We've got a few minutes if there are any questions about this or comments. And I believe there's also a drawing for those of you who trekked all the way to the other side of campus here. We, we're going to reward you for that behavior. <laughs> Yes. Oh, um, our boys, we could talk about our children all day. So um, Arlo is three and a half, and Emmett is five and a half. And they're adorable, if you ask me. Most, Most of, the, of time. the time. <laughs> Two. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else have a question? Okay, we're gonna be ready for your giveaway, I think. All right, we're gonna draw three names as families, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day here at Camp Meeting. And um, I'm gonna let uh, Brianna close us with prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together and think about parenting, um, the children that you've entrusted to our care. Thank you for being a partner with us and a parent for us. Thank you for teaching us what we need to know um, through the Bible and through your example to us um, and to all your children through the years. Please be with us as we go through the rest of the day. Um, you know our, our unique struggles and triumphs as parents and as people, and we just ask that you, um, you wrap your arms around us as we continue through the day. Be with our kids and help us to lead them closer to you. In your name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.